This talk was given at Insight Meditation South Bay. For more information and a schedule of our events, visit the Insight Meditation South Bay website at www.imsb.org. For information about online programs, visit the Bodhi Courses website at www.bodhicourses.org. Bodhi is spelled B-O-D-H-I. Well, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, uh, the, the topic is right effort tonight. Well, there's so much that can be said about effort. Um, the one approach I, I had um, in the meditation that we did um, was more toward um, effortlessness, that piece, and... Um, and coming back to the body. I have a great respect, tremendous awe for the body. Um, I think of the body as, as our temple. The body's like uh, an animal, it's like my, my dog. You know, it's just, it's just beautiful. You know, it's always here, always present. I was. I would go as far as to say, "Can you hear me? Okay. Can you hear me? Uh, I, I would go as far as to say, always kind, when it's not being messed with by the mind. There's a sutra um, where the Buddha, uh, a young monk, came up to the Buddha and he said, "Told the." This is David talking in my speak about these words. But Shariputra hit me. Have you all heard of Shariputra? Shariputra was the chief disciple to to the Buddha, a high, deeply enlightened man. And and the Buddha said, "Oh, well, somebody please go get Shariputra and bring him bring him to us. We need to settle this." And um, someone said, "Well, Shariputra is just he's." He's taking off. He's uh, he's off on a, uh, uh, this long retreat, wandering, wandering in the forest on a long retreat. And we said, "Well, this is important. Go find him, bring him back." So they waited, and someone brought Shariputra back, and he appears before the Buddha very brightly. And the Buddha says to him, "Shariputra, this man says that you hit him." And um, so the rest of the sutra is Shariputra. It's almost like an ode to the body that I could never, I couldn't possibly hit him. I could never harm anyone because I practice mindfulness of the body. And, you know, it went on and on about the, the beautiful virtues of, of mindfulness of the body and, and uh, how splendid it is, how illuminating it is, how free from taints it is, and so forth. But so a very fundamental effort is to relax into the body, relax into the breath. Um, as you all well know, I would imagine that's, well, you're doing meta now, but um, you know, that's a fundamental practice that we do. It's, I think it's done by 
all Buddhists everywhere, all through time. Mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of the breath. And the thinking behind that effort is that that fundamentally if we uh, aren't messing with ourselves, if we're not getting in our way with our thinking, with our ideas, with our concepts, with our constructs, with our fear and anxiety and anger and greed and desires and revenges and everything, that we're pretty happy. Just fundamentally, if we leave ourselves alone, there's peace here. There's well-being here. It's nice to be here. I'd like to read a, uh, a poem. This poem was written, this is one of the, one of the earliest poems uh, that, uh, that, or words that, ever, that came out of the Buddha's mouth. And it was, uh, it was kind of like pre-Buddha. Um, this is from Gill's book, The Buddha Before Buddhism. Um, before Buddhism was uh, quantified into all these lists and rituals and, and you know, great ideas about Buddha, you know, just very, very plain spoken stuff here. <clears throat> and this poem is called a, um, you may have heard this before, it's called An Auspicious Day. A good day. So these are instructions on We all want to have a good day, right? How to have a good day, a good day today. Don't chase the past. Or long for the future. The past is left behind. The future is not reached. Have insight into whatever phenomenon are present. Right where it is. Not faltering. Not agitated. By knowing whatever is present. I love this line. By knowing whatever is present one develops the mind. To me, this, if I might just say something about that, it's not like, it's not like we're getting rid of stuff. And this constant process of getting rid of, getting rid of, letting go, letting go, it's going forth. It's developing the mind. There's something positive here. There's a buoyancy. A buoyancy to being in the present moment that sustains itself and that carries itself. When I was uh, practicing 
at the Zen Center. You know, the big emphasis was to, as I remember, to not think, not think, not think, but um, let go, let go, let go. But not much emphasis, and this is really early, you know, a long time ago, but not much emphasis was was placed on what's what's here. What's here when you let go? What do you let go into? Without fabricating anything, just what's here. So anyhow, I love that. By knowing whatever is present, one develops the mind. It's very hopeful to me. Um, It's like if we can... um, not be agitated, not be faltering. It's not like something's going to be attained, some final liberation, some transcendent state of mind is going to become apparent to us and that it's fixed and it's permanent and it's always going to be here. Um, It's just a process, a process, and just staying in this process um, feels good. It's peaceful. It's uh, just peaceful. It's not one thing. It just it's just ongoing and peaceful and easy. Ardently do what should be done today. Who knows, death may come tomorrow. There is no bargaining with mortality. Every phrase here just points to right here and his great army. Whoever dwells thus ardent, active, day and night, is, says the peaceful sage, one who has an auspicious day. (laughs) It's just so sweet. It's just a way to have a good day. So, um, a great way to have a good day is, or, you know, maybe the only way to have it is to, to be present so how do we make this effort to be present? What's the right effort? Well, you know, just the, the, the uh, effort that was discussed, you know, in the meditation of... of uh, Relaxing and, and uh, allowing the present moment to come in through the body, through the breath, mindfulness of, if, if feelings are coming up, mindfulness of feelings, mindfulness of, even of thinking. Mindfulness is a way to, so even though we have maybe have feelings that are distressing to us or thoughts that are, disturbing 
if we're mindful of those thoughts, if we're mindful of those feelings, just like if we're mindful of the body, we're plighting our trough in mindfulness, not in those, not in the future, not in the past, not in those, those cravings and clingings. We're plighting our trough in mindfulness. So in that way, if we're paying attention to our mindfulness, even if something seems disturbing that's going on in the heart and in the mind, if we pay pay attention to the mindfulness, to the awareness, if we take our refuge in the awareness, we can sense, even in those disturbing situations, some peace around the edges of it all. There's something bigger going on besides that. So, you know, we, we, we have disturbing, you know, it's, it's disturbing to meditate. You know, we just have all these thoughts. You know, um, everybody does. You're not alone. Um, you know, professional baseball players have a, really a terrible batting average, like, you know, maybe 250, 275, they hit a ball. Where ours is <laughs> much worse than that, you know, about getting some clarity. We have really terrible averages, batting averages here. But the fact that we are taking our refuge in, in sitting, taking our refuge in mindfulness, as you described, we've somehow found our home. I think it happens to meditators, certainly happened to me, the first time you sit down and meditate. It's like there's something that comes in, like I'm home. Because we touch into the present moment. via our body much of the time. That's the, ve- the vehicle to get that sense of home. So we beat ourselves up. I'm not breathing correctly. I'll never breathe right. I'll never stop thinking. I can't do this. There's no meditator that can do this. (laughs) It's an impossible task, but we're all doing it. You know, and, and then we have, and then we let go, and there's some appreciate those moments of peace, even, even partial pieces. Peace wherever we can find it. Ease wherever we can find it in this process. And then the mind develops itself. We keep making this effort and making this effort to come back, to let go, to allow, just keep doing it. You know, we, we, we really are our own teachers. 
and it's an art. It's not a science, but we we, we just we find our way. You're you're using meta right now. Um, we find our way to come home to be here. And you know we we make we make this effort. We should also make the effort to appreciate it, to appreciate. what we find rather than dwelling on the uh, the obstructions even in the met- in the midst of a messy mind and then that changes and and we see more we see more clarity and more relaxation and more feel a little more at homeness and um, well, you know, we could say, well, there's a, 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 a some maybe some final and complete and total liberation where you know the clouds have completely parted and there's ultimate presence always here. But we don't have to do that. Just keep practicing. You know, just keep making this effort to be here. And um, these little pro mini. Many nirvanas keep presenting themselves. Like right now, um, I'm not feeling, I'm not suffering too much right now. Maybe, Maybe you aren't suffering too much right now. How about that? There's a lot in the day where we aren't suffering that much. There's a lot of the time in meditation when we aren't suffering that much, you know, we aren't really clinging to something, we aren't grasping hold of something, we aren't going round and round and round, or, you know, <laughs> contracting our heart. You know about the Four Noble Truths? Here, here, is that everybody? Well, you don't. <laughs> um, anyhow, the Third Noble Truth is there is peace, there is non-suffering, non-suffering does exist. And... Um, and then we keep practicing the we practice the eightfold path to you know to practice that to practice you need to study the four noble truths it's a great uh, fundamental system So I've been talking about this basic practice of letting go and allowing the present moment to come in through the body, through the breath, through mind, through mindfulness, um, through mindfulness of anything, through any way we can be present, through seeing the leaves on a tree, through seeing. Uh, a sunset through hearing a bird sing through the silence that's in this room the air conditioner whatever so that's one piece I wanted to discuss you know just this fundamental practice 
of coming into the present moment and um, and then there are um, there's another piece to this and the traditional um, descriptions of effort are there are four efforts um, there's an effort to let go of negative states of mind, troubling states of mind. And there are all kinds of ways to do that. And, um, you know, anxiety, fear, we know the whole, ro- all, all, all this stuff. Revenge, family gatherings bring up a lot of this stuff. And then the second piece is to sustain that, to sustain that letting go. And then the third piece is to cultivate positive states of mind. And then the fourth effort is to sustain those positive states of mind. So these, so what I was talking about, you could say fits into that first category of letting, letting go, but but I was talking more about coming into the present moment in any way you possibly can, but primarily through the body and through the breath. And I wonder if there's any, any, anybody wants to talk about any of that, you know, any, any responses to, to this, to what we've been talking about so far, or, or anything you'd like to bring up uh, uh, for discussion, or any comments or questions or commentary. Sustaining the letting go, sustaining where I'm at, and do what I've learned um, or been taught is, you know, not to chase after the feeling that I'm experiencing as part of the sustaining, but sustaining the effort. Mm-hmm. Right. So just to keep doing what I'm doing, um, sustain then the experience that I'm having, and it's it's a lot easier, right, than getting caught up in what's going on and oh, I like this feeling and da da da. My experience of being able to sustain that is not very long. I can't sustain it very long mm-hmm. and carry it away. But I, I, just, I, I like to remember that that's an important part of, mm-hmm. of that st- settling, that staying in that letting go. So, so you sustain the concentration yeah, on the breath rather than, ra- rather than being so much involved in the results. You right. just main, you keep focusing on the means to the result, the concentration. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, For myself, it's much more difficult to find that place of ease um, in the midst of something challenging that has happened. Um, a difficult conversation with a friend, for example, or 
uh, a disturbing comment f- from a friend on an email and thinking about something recently. Um, in in the midst of having regret or confusion or um, sadness, uh, it, you know, any any difficult mind state, it's um, it takes a lot of effort to remember that there is much more going on in my life and in the world and around this situation. You know, it's like the intensity um, in the body and the mind of the difficulty mm-hmm. is so present. So what do you do? I write it out. <laughs> I write it out. I I am better now um, from years of practice at... Um, um, giving more space around it, giving a little bit more space in the mind. Um, I, I, have to, I have to give my body a lot of time to, to be with whatever the physical response is. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I'm sometimes, depending on the circumstances, I might do some walking meditation. Mm. Mm-hmm. I might do some Tai Chi or a little qigong, uh, something moving, something that moves the body. Um, I've I've learned that trying to analyze it doesn't help. <laughs> um, it seems to need uh, some time, and and there is a quality of um, kindness or allowing that this is what is present mm-hmm. for right now, and I know it's impermanent. Anyway, what, what do you say about that difficult place? Oh, well, I, I think, you know, we all, like I said, it's, we're our own teachers, and, and you are teaching yourself. Um... um And we all have we all hit hit on those extremely difficult situations, or, or or maybe not even extremely, but just difficult enough that they throw us off, and we don't we're not happy, and we feel anxiety or fear or anger, and. Um, So um, you've said that you noticed it passes. That's, that's a great perspective. It always passes. Um, so we could do just simply do this, what we're talking about here now, and just wait for it to pass and notice the peace around the edges, you know, and not be so upset that, well, yes, yeah, so I'm a human being and this stuff's happening and you know, my buttons got pushed, and uh, this is what that's like, and I'm mindful, and I'm not increasing it by being mindful. I'm actually taking my refuge in the mindfulness. And and I think I, 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 most meditators I know 
um, they have a certain resilience that they never they they never had before. There's a certain kind of you know we bounce back quicker um, because of this. Um, I think it's good to really feel it and to feel the ouch deeply and 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 to uh, to let it penetrate and um, love yourself. It always helps. Practicing self-love, self-compassion, you know, metta. Um, soothe yourself. I, uh, I had pan, uh, prostate surgery, had prostate cancer, and um, I'd never had surgery before. And I was shocked. You know, as I went in, you know, it, was, it was a nice hospital, and so, you know, it was at UCSF. They got it was a brand new hospital, and they were telling you about they have farm fresh eggs for breakfast and it's all you know you know it's all organic and it's all right from the ranch and I was like well I'm gonna have a great breakfast and uh, a big flat screen TV and I like to watch the Warriors maybe I'll watch the Warriors and it's gonna be a little vacation here and this isn't what you're talking about this was just pain you know I I know what you're talking about <laughs> but this but I woke up and I was like what in the hell happened to me? I was in so much pain and so much discomfort and I couldn't get away from it. So there's that in life too. You know, there's pain. Have any of you had extreme physical pain? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you practice with that? So let's hear some other wisdom about effort. Some efforts that we make around these hard times. These, these, these. Not, not the, uh, not the moth-like, irritating sufferings that are going on, but you know, more poignant, more poignant ones. When our buttons get pushed. Would anyone else care to share their? Their wisdom? Not it's okay. Or their experience. Yeah, or their experience, yeah.
I think the election is a great opportunity to practice this um, because it seems it's it's all it isn't, but it almost is akin in our experience to you know the Dalai Lama saying that the Chinese are a great gift because it gives him an opportunity to practice you know intensively mm-hmm. um, and we're getting pushed like we've rarely been pushed um, and to see these people as indeed people who probably want basically the same things for themselves and their families that we do. And um, Let me make it a little tougher on you. What about Donald Trump? I'm including Donald Trump. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and what I, I try and do is think about what people, maybe him, maybe those who perpetrate violence, what they've gone through. I mean, they weren't born like that. Um, So we don't know a lot of times what brought them to the state that they're at. Most of the time we don't. Mm -hmm. We really don't. Mm -hmm. Even if we read all the New York Times articles, we still don't really know. Um... And and to try and feel some compassion that people who go around angry all the time and then spew it out, whether it's politicians or other people, it must be really hard to live that way. Um, and I I try and practice that, particularly... I live in the mountains, so I drive a lot, and there's a lot of crazy drivers in the mountains because there's no police up there, and so... You know, it's a free-for-all. And um, and think, it must be really difficult to obviously, obviously be so irritated, so angry. We see a lot of anger on the roads in the mountains. Mm. Um, from the high blood pressure to just being that upset about somebody driving in front of them. I mean... Uh, so that's that's kind of where what I try and do. And in the past, you know, it was, well, that son of a bitch, I'm just going to sit right here and make him angry. That's that's gone, you know, because the only one who suffers from that is me. It's not them. Mm. So, uh, in the like like. I said the starting point of this was, yeah, the politicians. What an opportunity we mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. to be active and to try and feel the compassion. Hmm. So, so, um, so your your uh, effort is to be compassionate, is to see their suffering, to see that they are suffering and they are not happy they don't want to suffer and your heart goes out to them and that takes the pressure eases the pressure from your heart yes it does yeah 
Beautiful. Anybody else suffering around here ever? <laughs> okay. Well, Running to the talking about effort so let's yeah let's hear your effort uh with my uh, with around the election i was i found that i had to at the beginning i started you know trying to have compassion for you know some of the you know hate speak at the people who say that and um, there's an Islamic center close to where I live, and they were receiving hate mm-hmm. mail, and and I was trying, and I felt like I was suffering, and I, I started beginning to you know try to have compassion for those people sending, you know, feeling so terrible that they would send these terrible things to this uh, this Islamic center, and I and then I started feeling starting suffering myself and I started having more compassion toward me showing my meta towards myself okay uh-huh. it's okay to be angry at that because it wasn't right and because I was caught I felt guilty mm-hmm. and and then I started having to Show loving kindness toward myself, and um, and that alleviated my suffering. Yeah, great, great. I heard uh, somebody. I think Sylvia Borstein. She looks in the mirror and she says, "It's okay, sweetie." I'm interested in, uh, if you would speak once again, you said something about not not depending on or um, looking for the transcendent mind. Mm-hmm. Would you speak around that again, please? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, this is a, dis- uh, a discovery. I've been meditating a long time. 45 years, and, uh, and I discovered this little strategy not so long ago. So if you guys want to learn from, you know, have to, you can skip 40 years. <laughs> and uh, I picked up on this, stra- this, this uh, thought about, about uh, giving up on markers. You know, that... I'm doing this right, and uh, and where's the goodness here? Where's the pe- you know where you know looking at the where's where, where's the result? And, and like you were talking about result, and you know holding on to the or I'm doing it wrong, and you know there's a marker. Uh oh, I did that mark. You know just so so um, I, I don't do what you do. I, I, I what I do is I just. You know, when when judgments come up, um, first of all, you can't ever get it. You know, you can never get it. So forget about it. You can never get. You can never hold on to that to st- any state of mind. It's 
It's just impossible. So they're all changing. It's all, you know. So my sense is, you know, what I really think right, n- right now is um, that there's just kind of peaceful here. You know, it's, it's just, uh, there's peace here. You know, it's, it's uh, not some great state of mind, but just, you know, t- things are changing. But there's, there's always peace here. It's, it's, uh, it's a low, a low, a low mark, but it's, it's, uh, it's not any particular kind of peace. It's, it's, uh, uh that there's just, uh, not much suffering or not any suffering. And isn't that great? And, and if there is suffering, you know, work with that and, and having some faith, you know, that in the process. But when markers come up, which are such a burden, um, I'm not sure if this addresses your question, but, uh, but when markers, I, I, I space out. I just go, I go dumb. I go, <laughs> it's like, just, just, I, I just blitz, blitz them out. Just forget that. Just forget that. And just go back to the, well, it's kind of like what you do. Just, just go back to the practice. So that's my space out, going dumb, not paying attention to markers, strategy. Does that make any sense to anybody? Do you, do you understand something of what I'm saying about markers? Yeah. What was your question again? Well, you spoke about not something about not relying on or looking for the Certain transcendent mind, yeah, mind. Right, yeah. and uh, that caught my attention because I think that's perhaps something uh, that many of us um, think we're striving for, Yeah, is the mind to be different than it is right here in this moment. Yeah. That it, that it you know, the, the peace or... Nirvana uh, must be something different, and yeah. I'm I want that. The Buddha figured out that that doesn't work. You know, the Buddha tried all kinds of ascetic practices, said that he, he uh, um, you could, you could, a seed could could not would be too much between his belly and his backbone. It was, um, he was, and um, so he tried ascetic practices. He, he tried, uh, you know, all the jhanas, the concentration practices. Um, and he gave them all up. He says that nothing works, you know. Okay, I've got to go into some state of eternal space or, you know, uh, no consciousness or something, you know, all these different amazing, transcendent, fabulous states of mind. But then I come back. Just come back. And uh, so I'm just going sit, to sit by a tree and just figure it all out. You know, just, and I'm not going to get up until I get this straight. 
And then when he um, oh, and by the way, uh, um, what he was almost dead, and then a little girl came and gave him some milk, you know, and it's, uh, uh, I think it was goat's milk or something, and it just was such a c- rice. Okay, rice. Yeah, and then, and it revived him. It was the kindness of that little girl. So that was something, the kindness, and um, and then he, when he, uh, um, he didn't want to talk about what he saw because he thought nobody's going to believe me. You know, they're all doing all these other things, these amazing things. Nobody's going to believe just what I have to say. But Brahma, the Lord of the Gods, came to him and said, "Please, there are some people with a little dust over their eyes. They'll be able to hear you." So he got up and he, he walked to greeted these ascetics who he'd been practicing with. Who, Kind of shunned him. They thought he was a cop out, but then they they saw him, and he just they could tell something really something really has happened here, and they all bowed down. And then he taught the four, he taught the four noble truths. And he, but his first words, I I think, were, "All I have to teach something like this. All I have to teach is the truth of suffering, and the end of suffering." So that's what we work with. We work with we work with our suffering. We try to resolve our suffering through that's what we're talking about right now, through these different efforts to work with our suffering, to let go of our suffering, to have these pro uh, these mini nirvanas. It's nirvana. It's, you know, I think what we're experiencing right now when we're not suffering too much is something like nirvana, something like the Buddha's nirvana, just absence of suffering, the, the calm, the peace, the ease of just being here. We, we taste it. So we have these, you know, we have these amazing, you know, I had some amazing meditative experiences. But they, but they go away and then the mind starts going crazy with thoughts after that. You know, it's just, it's just a, you know, it's, but it's fine to have that, but it's just, it's not, it's nothing definitive. How are we doing? Oh, we're getting late. Um, well, I, I want to just say something quickly um, about a huge subject, and that is developing positive states of mind as antidotes, you know, to, to gladden the heart. In all of these instances where we're suffering, these practices of gladdening the heart can be so helpful. And these are proactive practices, and I'll just name two, but there are lots of them. But two powerful ones. Um, Gratitude practice. Um, I may only have time to talk about gratitude practice. Uh, A a friend of mine was the abbot of the Zen Center, and he he was 62 or 3 years old, something like that. And many students, very beloved man, and and he felt some little pain here. He went to the doctor. He had pancreatic cancer. And um, that was in October. He died in December. Um, 
it was a, like an earthquake at the Zen Center. And in his Dharma talk, um, before he died, he talked about his gratitude practice. He said, you know, every day, every day when I get up in the morning, I sit on the edge of my bed and I say the word gratitude. Gratitude, you know, gratitude. Gratitude about what? Gratitude about what? Gratitude. Gratitude about being alive. Gratitude about sitting here in this nice group of people. Gratitude about this clean, well-lit hall. You know, gratitude about... There's so many things to be grateful for if we look at them. So when we gladden the heart with gratitude... It makes us a little less prey to the not-enoughness that keeps coming our way in our mind. The insults and the injuries. The Look around, you know. I mean, it's a simple phrase. Grass, glass, has half empty, glass, half that's half full, but uh, it's just, uh, you know, homespun spun wisdom here. But, so, um, but the practice is, and, and this has been well-researched, there's a lot of gratitude research, is before you go to bed at night, write down three things you're grateful for that happened that day. A nice encounter with someone that opened your heart. You write down in detail that what happened that day. And and not just write it out and then go to number two, but um, but let it let it uh, be absorbed in it. Let it up let it uh, come through you. The recommendation was for eighteen seconds to dwell on it. So, um, so gratitude is a heart-opening, you know, practice, and it's it, it, the research showed thousands of people were, you know, did this, and, and they, the research showed that in, it increased their happiness uh, by I don't know ten or fifteen percent. Some re- so that's pretty good, ten or fifteen percent. I mean, so it wasn't a hundred percent. Maybe be grateful about how your practice has increased your happiness by 5%. And it also helps them sleep. They slept, I think, uh, I think the statistic was 20 more minutes a night. Another practice is, well, and the for the right intention the second noble truth is a beautiful beautiful strategy compassion loving kindness friendliness the relief we get from practicing compassion and loving kindness that's not all there is to right intention there's another piece which is um Renunciation, renunciation, but it's, you know, in a way, when we're giving compassion, we're, we're you know, we're, we're we're renouncing this appalled self 
that uh, these people, that, that uh, this truck driver behind me, were, were renouncing that self, renouncing our, and, and we're giving, giving that away. And we're in a kind of a no man's man, land of compassion. But just as a practice, being friendly, saying thank you. Great relief from suffering, and, and that's a practice. I, I'm a chaplain. I go to the uh, at the hospital, and I was a hospice chaplain, and I and and uh, I spend the whole day there. It's like it's my best day. I don't suffer that day. I just keep going into rooms and giving compassion out, and it's just a day for me of. It's more than non-suffering. It's it's good living. Um, ethics, being pure ethically, not because you should, but because you're blameless. You you know you are blameless. You have done no wrong. You haven't taken anything that wasn't given to you. You haven't hurt anybody. You've been you 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 have not. You've, you've been, you practice harmlessness. You haven't used your sexuality to hurt anybody. You haven't used liquor or drugs in a way that's destructive. You haven't spoken in harsh ways or lied. Resisting that lie Resisting that lie, you know, and then reflecting on it. Wow. I wanted to build myself up there, but I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I just let it be selflessness. So, um, it's not to be underestimated, ethics. You know, the bli- it's called the bliss of blamelessness. Speech, not using malicious speech in any way through gossip or <clears throat> bragging. These are wonderful practices to that are you know that are useful. These are proactive efforts. Not you know this other effort is to allow, receive the present moment, but there are proactive efforts we can do to gladden the heart, to create positive states of mind, and to sustain those positive states of mind. I have two minutes, one other one. A friend of mine who will speak here pretty soon um, on aging, Robert Cusick, he he teaches compassion at Stanford and other places, and and, uh, he has his student do this practice. Um, <clears throat> well, first of all, one thing he does, which I think is wonderful, in the beginning of the course, he has, he has them find six people to email them a letter about everything they like about them. <laughs> Talk about self-love. Isn't that amazing? So you get all these emails with all these people telling you what they like about you or love about you. Um, but uh, then doing that for yourself to... Uh, before bed at night, do the same kind of idea. Three things 
that you um, appreciate, that you appreciate about yourself. And I can tell you all one, you know, right now for all of you, is that you're seeking wisdom, you're seeking truth, you know, you're seeking meaning. This is such a sincere, amazing human activity, such a blessed human activity that you're embarking on here. No, you're not, it's, this isn't, this isn't uh, grabbing and holding on. Well, it can be a little bit, but, uh, but you know, it's, 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 it's a great activity. It's noble. It's a noble activity. That's, you know. So, um, again, those three, you might, you might try out one of those ideas. And, and uh, um, again, taking it in. What do I appreciate about myself? I think about, you know, an encounter in the hospital that was particularly, where I particularly gave myself. Wow, that was really great. Okay. We've well, been a wonderful, uh, this is a wonderful group, and I support you in, uh, in your sangha here. You know, the, the, someone asked, Shariputra, again, asked the Buddha, Buddha, I hear that spiritual friends are an important part of the spiritual practice. And the Buddha said, no, Shariputra, that's not correct. Spiritual friends are all of the spiritual practice. So um, it's nice that you say hello to each other and you know, support each other here. Thank you. just mention of it, there are a few people who may not know that on the IMSB website imsb.org there is under the teaching heading a pull down menu um, Buddhist lists and you can print out um, a copy of the definition of the Four Noble Truths the Eightfold Noble Path and many other teaching um, so you can have a resource to look at as you're learning. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.